to plan style do the wedding podcast Welcome to Plan Style Do. I'm your host, Jordan Weaver. I'm a wedding planner and stylist and founder of Jordan Weaver Events. Each week, I bring you bite-sized episodes and interviews with leading wedding industry experts to help take the stress and confusion out of planning your wedding. Now, I am very excited to be chatting today to my guest who's an expert in one of my favorite subjects, and that is wine. Today, I am joined by Amelia Birch. And believe me when I say, if you're getting married at a venue where you can provide your own alcohol, Amelia is about to become your new best friend. She is a trained sommelier with over 14 years experience in the hospitality and events industry. She's also the founder of Your Personal Sommelier, a kind of matchmaker for couples when it comes to choosing the right drinks in the right quantities for your wedding. So thank you so much for joining me, Amelia. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I have a lot of questions when it comes to choosing drinks for your (laughs) wedding. But before we dive into those, can you tell me a little bit about your personal sommelier? How did you get started and what drew you to the idea of helping engaged couples choose their wedding wines and their wedding drinks? Because it's not necessarily the most obvious path, is it? No, it's not. It's a bit quirky. Um, So I've worked in hospitality ever since I left school, loved it, loved the customer service element. I worked in fine dining restaurants where I was around amazing wines with huge cellars. So I found that I was drawn quite quickly into loving wine and loving serving wine. Um, I find it really creative. And so in a restaurant, you know, when you find a really great sommelier that listens to what you want and then serves you something that matches that, it's such an amazing experience. And so I suppose that's similar uh, in in what I do now. But I, I got into it because I owned my own restaurant for eight years. My family had a wedding venue and I started seeing some trends happening where couples would end up leaving the venue with as much wine as they probably needed to have in the first place. It was grating watching that because I was thinking, I know how to do this and I know how to find wine and I've got all these great contacts, distributors and, and wineries and I you know, there's got to be a better way. Love solving problems. So that's how your PS came about. It is heartbreaking when you see all those leftover wines. <laughs> so it's, it is wonderful to be able to use those skills, like you say. So yeah. let's start with the basics. When a couple mm-hmm. are choosing drinks for their wedding, what are they going to need to source? I know, obviously, there's white wine, there's red wine, there's rosé. Mm-hmm. You've got champagne, beer and cocktails. Is there anything else I'm missing? Possibly. Uh, the only thing I would add is soft drinks and water. Water is a yes. really important part of the day that people often forget. But no, I suppose, you know, we move through from spa sparkling either whether that's champagne or sparkling wine, Prosecco, Cava. There's all sorts of different options these days through whites, rosés, reds, beer and cocktails. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. Yeah, and ice. Ice. People always forget ice. (laughs) Ice. That's true. Ice, ice baby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now you specialise in wine and 
broadly speaking, I have to say, I know what I like and I don't like when I taste it, but I'm pretty useless when it comes to names and, and regions and years. I imagine yep. probably a lot of listeners are in the similar boat. When you first meet a couple, can you tell me how do you work with them to kind of tease out the types of wines that are right for them? And what kind of questions are you asking them to kind of get a feel for their tastes and the tastes of their guests? Yeah, sure. I suppose I think as um, we kind of move through our lives as wine drinkers, we kind of start off with things that are more fruity, that are a little bit sweeter. And it, it takes a while for us to develop our palate. And often along that process, we develop some really bad habits where we've had a really bad experience and it turns us off something for life. So I think that's the case with, with you know, it has been the case with Chardonnay in the past. Um, but I suppose what I really try and do is get from a couple the wines that they like to drink at home. Maybe it's something that they've tried at a winery. Maybe it's something that they just, they liked the label of and they, they tend to go back to it because they, they really like that taste. So I send out a form, a Google form to everybody, getting an idea of what their preferred whites are, if they've got any favourite regions, favourite varietals that, are, that have specific flavours that they like. And from there, I get some information, obviously, and I can read that and work out that if someone, for example, has put down that they like New Zealand whites, they're going to like minerality and grassiness and stone fruits, and, and maybe they like drinking a Sauvignon Blanc. You know, if someone puts that they like super dry rosé, they're probably used to drinking French rosé from Provence, and they're probably not going to love a South Australian rosé that's got a bit more body and it's a bit juicier and sweeter. Same with Chardonnay. You know, if they've put down hunter for chardonnay then they're like oak they're like big full-bodied really yellow colored shardy you know it, it goes on so it gives me all of these little hints that i can then use if you think back to what i said earlier about being in a restaurant i can then build an idea of that person's palate and find wines that are going to suit them and obviously i've got a big portfolio from which to draw on and so for me, it's about um, looking at what their price point is, looking at what flavours they're liking, thinking about how all of those flavours are going to go together on the day. So if they've got a Sauvignon Blanc and a Pinot Grigio, is that going to be versatile enough for a crowd? You know, then I look at what is the broad group like at a wedding and can you pigeonhole or do you need to add a few things in there to make sure that everybody likes something? There is so much involved, isn't there? It's like almost being a <laughs> yeah, little, really being a detective. You're right. <laughs> I can hear the passion in your voice. I can hear that creativity that you bring to it, which is, um, is beautiful, beautiful to hear. Thank you. Now, if you're a bride or groom listening in and you've listened to the podcast or you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I am all about personalization when it comes to your wedding day, about creating those experiences and those meaningful for moments that are personal to you throughout your day and I feel like your wine and your beverage choices are such a great way to tell a story and give glimpse for your guests into your story I know for example the night my husband and I got engaged we were drinking a certain red wine and we served that to guests at our wedding because it told a story about a moment that was really special to us so Amelia can you tell me what are some ways that a couple can use their their wine their drinks to, to tell a story on their wedding day story is so important like you say I, I just got goosebumps listening to that and <laughs> um, I, I suppose that it's really fascinating because we're we're going through a trend where we're moving away from cookie cutter weddings 
which I think has been, you know, just a, a necessity in the past. And we're, we're naturally competitive as human beings. So we're trying to find different ways to make our wedding different to other people's. And I suppose the beautiful part of that is that if you can really tap into what the essence is of who you are as a couple, th- that can be really meaningful and wine is often a really big part of that. So often couples have been on, you know, their first trip was to a wine region and that was, you know, the way, you know, where they kind of started falling in love with each other. And so that story in and of itself is often something that people go back to. And, you know, we had this beautiful, exactly like you say, this beautiful Chardonnay that we, we really want to serve or something like that. I think wine is so creative and and when we stop thinking about it as a function or a means to an end or a you know just something cheap and cheerful it can be so exciting to to build on that and and that's what I love about it because it means that I can work you know everybody's so different everybody's got such a different story and making it true to them and special is so much fun and it's about having the wines that you love on your wedding day but also kind of sharing it with your your closest friends and family as well which i love right and and i think the other thing that's really interesting is that um weddings planning as you would know jordan can be initially fun but it can become quite laborious often if there's just one person doing it or if you know, nothing's falling into place. And so I love being able to create a moment for couples to do together that's actually about stepping back and thinking about what's important to them and reliving those memories. And I find that couples really don't realise how much they needed that experience until they're in the moment. Absolutely. I'm all about wedding planning being an experience. You know, it should be something you enjoy. Yeah. It's, it's this beautiful chance you're starting your life together. And it sounds like, you know, if couples go to your PS, it's really rather than finding their wines and their drinks as being another job to tick off the list, it's really a chance for mm. them to enjoy it and get creative and kind of it adds to the whole experience of planning their wedding. Absolutely. I had a wine tasting um, on the weekend with a couple and, and most often they're not, they're just the couple, but these guys wanted to bring their whole bridal party. So there were 14 of them and it was just the most joyous, fun, exciting nice and they all had a blast as you can imagine (laughs) yeah i can absolutely yeah like you say it's there's so much more that you can get out of out of the experience now let's talk quantities because you mentioned it before when couples are sourcing their own alcohol it can be a really difficult line to tread because the last thing you want is an empty bar on your wedding day that's everyone's nightmare what are your tips Mm -hmm. for couples on how they can work out how much they they're going to need without completely go going overboard and ending up with lots left over it's something that obviously I've worked out and it was the foundation of how I got this going because that was such a big part of it for me. And I suppose you can never really know, but I like to work on a formula of one and a half drinks per person per hour. And that applies to the whole, the complete number of guests at your wedding. So some people will have one or two glasses of bubbles at the, at the start and then not have anything else. Some people will have 18 beers. And so overall, it kind of works out to be more than enough. I, you, you'll have stuff left over, but I, I find that, that that's just a neat way to, to work it out. I suppose then it's about breaking that down between wine, beer, and, and that's going to be different for every couple 
obviously um, some people are super into their wine. Some people have, you know, a whole lot of mates that are, that are beer drinkers. Maybe uh, you have a group that are really into um, Scotch and Coke or vodka. Uh, and so that has to be consideration for everybody. But I find that overall one and a half drinks per person per hour, which may be 12 drinks per person across a night, tends to be a really good number to stick to. Well, let's talk trends and recommendations. What Mm. are you loving right now when it comes to wine and cocktails and what's really proving popular with couples right now and and going down really well with guests? It's so interesting because I think Chardonnay is becoming, is having a real revival right now, which I'm loving because I love it. I love a big buttery, oaky shardy and there's so many great ones out there and really well priced as well so I'm really excited to see that back on the list for people and we're obviously still moving right away from Sauvignon Blanc which is not necessarily a terrible thing Mm -hmm. in in saying that there are some really great alternatives for Sauv Blanc out there a French Sancerre for example things that are a little bit more interesting but overall I think people are dabbling a little bit more with with different varietals, which is nice. But yeah, I feel like Shardy is, is where it's all at at the moment. You heard it here first, Shardy is back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Amelia. I feel like you've shed so much light on the process of choosing wines and how couples can really make it a joyful experience rather than just something else to kind of tick off on their to-do list. If couples want to find out more about you or arrange a wine tasting through your PS, how can they reach you? So the best thing to do is email me, amelia at yourps.co. Or find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, um, any of the above. And I look forward to, to speaking to you about your special day. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That brings an end to this week's episode of Plan Style Do. Thank you for joining Amelia and I. If you've enjoyed this episode, please jump on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review so other couples can find us too. I am Jordan Weaver. Thank you for joining me and I'll catch you next time.